Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. This week's episode is brought to you by HealthyMoving.com. Stay tuned to hear more about the Healthy Moving Revolution later in today's show when I'll tell you how you can attend a free class to start the new year right. Now, welcome back to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our awesome of the week. In each episode, We also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. This week, I've got Kelly of lovewellblog.com here with me as we share some thoughts on seeking rest and finding delight in the midst of our busy lives. But first, we have a couple of housekeeping notes to go through. Kelly, if you don't mind, I'm just going to go through all of these before we get to awesome of the week. Is that okay? Totally fine. I will sip my eggnog. You can have mine too. (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, if you subscribe to Sorta Awesome in a podcast app, and goodness knows, we sure hope that you do subscribe somewhere, you have probably seen some very funky things going on with the show. (laughs) I'm just going to save you all of the technical details that have been happening. But what I need for you to know is over the next few days, You will basically be seeing all of our old shows showing up as brand new in your podcast app. (laughs) So Merry Christmas from Sort of Awesome. (laughs) It's a box set. It's a box set. Free for you, our listeners. We love the awesome community. (laughs) Yeah, that's how we're choosing to frame it, even though I've got to tell you guys that I have cried some actual real tears over these problems. I've cried to Kyle. I've cried to the co-hosts and to some of my podcasting colleagues trying to figure out if there is a different way to do this. And the truth is there, there's just not. We knew there was a, a thing happening with the show where it was only showing in the app the last 25 episodes that had been released. So some of you who are new to the show who maybe wanted to go back to those very first episodes of Sort of Awesome could not do that. You could not access it from the app. We knew it was a problem. We knew it needed to be fixed. The first step of the fix is in place. And so that's the great news. The bad news is 
we have to republish all of those old episodes. And it, I know it's going to be an inconvenience for you guys. And then we feel so terribly about that. I know that it's going to take a little extra time, particularly if you have been listening from the beginning of the show, then you're probably just going to want to mark each of those old episodes as having already been played. But hey, you never know. Maybe there's a few of them that you're going to listen to for the first time. We would love that too. But I just wanted to give you the heads up that that's happening, that it's ultimately to fix a big problem that we will not have to cover again in the future. And we're so sorry for that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Item two on my housekeeping agenda here is the schedule for the show. This episode that you're listening to right now, episode 39, is the last regular show of 2015 for Sorta Awesome. Now, we do have one more show that will drop before the end of this year, and that will come out on Monday, December 28th. It is a special edition group show with all of the co-hosts. We're coming in to talk about all things end of the year and reflecting on the year of 2015. So that again, that's December 28th. After that, we will not be back with new episodes until January 8th of 2016. We are going to take some time as a team and as individuals for some significant rest. And that totally ties into what we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted to make you aware that that is our schedule coming up for the next few weeks. Okay, and the last thing on my list to share with you today is that we have a brand new website. Woo-hoo. Some of you, I know, <laughs> yes. I'm just like, I'll che- I'm the cheerleader of the show today. <laughs> Kelly's so cheering awesome. from the sidelines. The reason <laughs> Kelly is probably cheering louder than most is because, bless her beautiful Minnesota heart, she took on the bulk of the work in getting our brand new website up. You can now find us, no more Tumblr, you don't have to worry about going to the Tumblr anymore more, you can now find us at SortaAwesomeShow.com. Isn't that so much easier? It is. And it is really, if you have not gone over to the website yet and you're listening to us right now, we just hope that it's such a cleaner, more fun and vibrant experience for you. We really wanted it to more accurately reflect the spirit of the show of the Sorta Awesome, that it would be fun and funny and accessible and a way for you to submit questions that you might have or contact Megan or follow us, or even we're in the process of writing up an FAQ. So that way, some of those questions that just come up a lot, you'll be able to find answers there. So it's hopefully, we just really want it to be a good resource for the really wonderful sort of awesome community. Yes, and it really is already. Like I said, Kelly really took on the lion's share of this work. She figured out the setup. She worked with the design, how to navigate Squarespace, which was a platform that none of the four of us have ever worked with before. And she's done a lot of troubleshooting. It truly, Kelly, could not have happened without you. Laura and Rebecca definitely put in a lot of time getting it up and going. So yeah, we hope that the brand new site, SortaAwesomeShow.com, will make the show more shareable. We love it when you share the show with your friends. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's more shareable. It is definitely more organized. You can find all of the awesomes of the week in one place. There's just, just go over there and poke around a little bit when you have some downtime over the holidays. See what we've got going there. And we're not even done really building it out yet, but the big stuff is in place over there. Yeah, mostly we're hoping it'll be a much more awesome online experience for all of you. So, oh my goodness, that was a lot of show business to take care of to start. So now let's start the way we really love to start each show. And that is with Awesome of the Week. Kelly, what do you have? Well, I am going to do something this week that I have never done before. And it is to choose an Awesome of the Week that I 
have not yet tried. I do not yet have it in my grubby little hands, but I am so excited about it. It really does qualify as an awesome of the week because I have been talking about this thing with everybody in my life for about a week. And it is called Circle by Disney. It is an internet filtering system. I would even call it more than an app. It's a system. And the reason I'm excited about it is because it seems, at least in theory, and the people who already do have it, I've ordered it, but it's backordered. The people who already do have it and who are using it have said the hype is true. It seems to do everything that we have been looking for in one app for what we want to do as we control the internet for really the entire household, not just our children. So here are all the things it promises to do. Not only is it a filter for content that comes into your children's, all the different devices that they might have, um, it can also limit their screen time and watch it. It can set a bedtime on everybody's devices and it can even pause the internet. Like one button on the control device, which is your phone right now, the control app is only available on iOS. They said they're coming out for Android. So it technically could filter Android, but you wouldn't be able to control it without an iOS device. Gotcha. But the app that you download lets, it has a pause button on it. So with one button, you could pause like no one's coming to dinner. You know, you're going, hello, even your spouse. Um, dinner, cold. You know, you're like one button. Boom. Everybody's devices go dead. Love it. At least if they're on the Internet. That's so, like magic. So. It is. It really sounds like because I have said on this podcast in earlier episodes and we've talked about the battle of screen time. I know we talked about it, Megan, especially in the summer. Yes. About the frustration of a parent having multiple children and multiple devices. I counted this last week. And you guys, it's embarrassing how many devices we have in our homes. And really, I thought that we were kind of middle ground. We only have two TVs. And one of them we hardly even use. But we have like three different laptops, a computer, um, three different iPads, four different iPhones. Like, I mean, it's, you know, old ones when you get upgrade to a new one, yes. we just give the old ones to our kids. I mean, we have an original iPad. It's like, I think they invented it when Jimmy Carter was president. <laughs> it's so old. We, we let our little kids use it. It can't download any app that's been produced in the last four years oh because it's gosh. so old, you know, yes. because the, the system won't update. The actual operating system is so old it can't download new games. But they're still all there. They still all need to be managed. Everything can get on Netflix. Everything can get on Minecraft. Yep. Everything can get on YouTube. And those are our big three things. So this one device, Circle, says that you can even, when you set up your family, it actually controls the internet through your router. Okay. So everything that goes through your access point to the internet is watched and seen. So they are monitoring every wireless device in your house. Oh, wow. So you can actually tell it to ignore things like Nest. Some people have the wireless home heating cooling system. You're like, ignore our wireless security system. You don't have to monitor that. But the things that you want to monitor, every person in your family gets a profile. Then you, it will recognize every wireless device in your home. And you can say, okay, that iPad goes with that person. That computer goes with that person. You pair the devices with the people. And then even across devices, it will watch what they're doing. So I could say, theoretically, and this sounds like gold to me, I could say, I'm going to put a three-hour time limit total on my 12-year-old son. He can be on Minecraft for an hour and a half. And then, you know, the other time, theoretically, I want to give him time to do homework or whatever. It will do that. Oh, From wow. his iPad 
to the old iPhone that he uses as an i um, iPod, iPod basically uh-huh. yeah to the computer. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! So if he he can't, what happened before was I would have something on one device and he might time out of something, especially the computer. He would just go pick up his iPad if I was like busy somewhere else so often in our home. And I will give my kids the benefit of the doubt, partly because I'm an ENFP and that's what I do with everybody. (laughs) Right. Gold sparkly unicorns for everyone Uh in their heart. But bedtime, you know, 8.30 or 9 o'clock, screens off. And I come out, you know, just a few minutes before solo parenting. Screens are going off in five minutes, guys. Right? Yep. Right, mom. We're on it. So I go to put the little kids to bed, come out 45 minutes later. Guess who's still sitting there watching YouTube and playing Minecraft? I know. Oh, mom, I'm so sorry. I forgot. Hey, guess what? With Circle, I'm going to say 9 o'clock bedtime, the internet goes dead to them at 9 o'clock. That is incredible. I am so – well, thank you, Disney, because – People have been asking for something like this. Yeah. Leave it to Disney right. to cook up a solution. Well, so. and it really was invented by somebody who started it on Quickstarter and then couldn't ah. quite get enough money, and then Disney swept in. So it also gives you some access to Disney, um, you know, apps and programs as well. Sure. So really, I don't even care about that. It's this is a it is a ninety nine dollar one time investment. It doesn't monitor anything that has um, cell phone LTE sort of you know, 4G. So if your son or daughter could go to school and you wanted to monitor them, that they said they're debuting that in 2016. Okay. And that will be more of a subscription. But right now, for all the devices in your home, to be able to monitor it in one place so easily. And I will say this too, just as one last quick aside, it's not just the kids. Sure. I'm excited to get it from me. Yes. To be able to say, uh, you get one hour or let's just be generous. Let's say two hours of (laughs) Facebook a day. And to be able to watch my time Yes. To have the system tell me, hey, you got 10 minutes left. Yeah. I, I'm very excited to be able to shut the internet down on myself, which sounds silly, but I think that we all are there. Oh, um, I know I am. Yeah. So this, like I said, I could go on and on because even though I haven't used it yet, it sounds like a dream to come true for a parent or anybody who has to monitor Multiple people, multiple kids on multiple devices in one home. Circle by Disney. Kelly, thank you for taking a chance. Like you said, you haven't done it yet, but it sounds fantastic. So I am going to have you come back and update on your family's experience with it. It sounds amazing. I will. Well, that is a really super high tech awesome of the week. I'm going to bring us back down to the low tech end of things (laughs) a little bit here. So my awesome of the week is a blog and YouTube channel. And it's called Llamas Love Lettering. Okay. Llamas Love Lettering. It is feeding my my newly rekindled fascination with having pretty handwriting. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. My handwriting is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is mostly bad. And very few people, even my husband, struggles to read it sometimes. <laughs> so I've always really been captivated, though, by great handwriting. Yes, me too. My sister has beautiful handwriting. Um, Our friend Laura, co-host Laura, has gorgeous handwriting. Oh, my word. I would buy a font of her handwriting. Yes, me too. Me too. So to explain kind of how I got to this place of discovering Llamas Live Lettering, I'm going to back up a little bit. If you all remember way, way, way back in the show's history in episode 10 of Sorta Awesome, which, hey, may be in your app right now. <laughs> Go back <laughs> and listen to it. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. 
<laughs> yes. So back in episode 10, I talked about my love for bullet journaling. A recap of that is that a bullet journal is basically, it's like a hybrid, I guess you could say, of a traditional planner and a to-do list. And I am a lifelong to-do lister. So um, the idea of incorporating the two and seeing how that plays out in journal form was so appealing to me. And I have loved it. I genuinely have loved it all year. The system is so open-ended. You can make it be whatever you want. You can make it work in a 99 cent notebook from the dollar store. You can invest in beautiful, like imported journals from Germany. I mean, there's the range is there for whatever you want to make your bullet journal into. It's really flexible. So anyway, it's a great system. It's totally worked for me this year. So as I explained in that episode, there are some really great Facebook groups for people who are enthusiasts of this system. Uh, one of those that one of those Facebook groups and one that I'm in is called Bujo Junkies. So Bujo, B-U-J-O, is what I guess sort of the cool kids call their <laughs> bullet journals. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I get it. I was like, Bujo. Yeah, yeah Bujo. I know. Oh, bullet journals. Yeah, in that group, uh, people post pictures a lot of their journal spreads, what their daily spreads look like, weekly spreads, monthly spreads, those types of things. And a lot of people in that group have really, really cool, really pretty handwriting. Since I closed my blog at the end of 2014, I do spend a lot of time with pen and paper. I have always been a journaler going back to childhood, love journals, keep journals, and now that I do not have the blog for processing a lot of thoughts and feelings, I really turn to my pen and paper journal a lot. And I also have my bullet journal, which kind of I use to structure my days. So since I spend so much time with my pen and paper, I've always wanted my handwriting to look pretty or at least be a little bit more readable. <laughs> <laughs> and there's lots of resources out there. You can buy books. There's all kinds of resources out there to improve your handwriting. But one of the resources I saw recommended a lot in the group is this blog called Llamas Love Lettering. So I looked it up and I found her YouTube channel and I discovered it's it was started by a woman named Cindy and I'm, I know I'm not gonna get her last name right. It's a little bit tricky. Cindy Gunterbaldo. The backstory of her starting her blog and her YouTube channel is that she is in another journaling group on Facebook. It's for fans of Erin Condren's planners. You know, Erin yes. Condren makes these planners that have a very devoted, very loyal following of fans. And in one of those groups, I think the group is called Erin um, Condren's Fans Gone Wild or something like that. So Cindy was sharing some of her journal spreads in there from her Erin Condren planner. And everyone just kept remarking on how much they loved her handwriting and where can I learn to write like that. And as it turns out, Cindy is a sign artist for Trader Joe's. Oh, you're kidding. For her day job. Yeah. So she has lots and lots of practice with yeah. lettering. So I am circling back around to the whole point here. <laughs> Since she had so many requests for her to explain to people, teach people, give tutorials for people about how to have cute handwriting like hers, she decided to just start doing a series of videos and has this blog that goes along with it. The videos are great, especially if you like to geek out about pens and markers and all of that stuff that goes along with feeding your stationary habits. But what is even better and what has actually really been my awesome of the week is she has created these free printable worksheets. You can print them out and use them to practice your lettering. And they're totally free. She has more than a dozen of them. They're okay. so easy to use. I have been just playing around with them. They are so much fun. And I really have been loving them. So I know we have lots of lovers of pen and paper 
that are out there listening, maybe you all have already heard of this a long time ago and you're like, wow, that's that's not even close to being brand new information for me, but <laughs> it was for me and it has been so awesome. So I just had to share. Lamas yeah. love lettering. That's brand new for me too. And you have piqued my interest because my handwriting, you know, I think we all took handwriting in school. Uh, so my, and then of course, as an adult, I worked in a newsroom typing the faster, the better was my thing. So my handwriting has devolved to the point you said, Kyle can't read your writing sometimes. I can't read my own writing sometimes. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I've been at Trader Joe's with my grocery list and they're like, can I help you find something? And I'm like, no, can you help me read my list? What do you think that is? It starts with an F. I think that's an F. And then there's like an O. What would that be? Like literally, literally. So I think I'm going to have to do this because I did just get a card from Laura Tremaine. Yes. And the handwriting on it caused me to fall into a dangerous state of envy. I'm telling like it, you that so she, beautiful. she is a natural born great letterer. She yeah. has written in that very cute, very distinct Laura Tremaine handwriting since she was like 14 years old, at least maybe going back before that. I don't know, but <laughs> her handwriting has not changed over the years except to get better. And I totally agree. And so I'm the same way, Kelly. I'm I'm dying laughing because I also have been at the grocery store looking at my list like, what did I write this when I was dreaming? What an what am I talking about? I have no idea. This is so not helpful. So yep. yes, yes, yes. So anyway, Llamas Left Lettering and Circle by Disney. Hopefully those are two things you can look into over the holidays if those are piquing your interest in those things. So yeah. Kelly and I are calling this episode, episode 39, Seeking Rest, Finding Delight. We are here at the end of the year. It's a natural time to be thinking about reflections of the year, thinking ahead to 2016, to health and wellness, happiness, finding purpose and intention in the new year. So I have asked Kelly to share with us some of her wisdom in this area, because one topic she knows so much about, and that you guys, I have learned so much from Kelly for going back years now Mm. about the spiritual practice of Sabbath. Now, before you reach for the stop button, (laughs) I want to invite you to really give this concept a chance. Just hear us out as we talk about it. I think that you will find as we talk that, and as we hear Kelly really explain some of these concepts from Sabbath, that it may not mean what you think it means. In fact, Kelly, I would say depending on a person's religious background, or maybe even lack thereof religious background, you might be sitting there thinking that Sabbath has to do with anything from avoiding work, or maybe it means just going to church. You might be conjuring ideas of just sitting on the couch, staring at the wall, (laughs) and that's Sabbath. Um, Probably most people think it has to do with following a set of rules that are really specific about what you have to do what you have to do and not do on Sabbath. So we want to invite you to rethink this practice. No one better that I know than Kelly to speak to this. So I'm Kelly, I'm just going to kind of open the floor to you and let you just kind of dig in and tell us a little bit more, maybe to start off with what Sabbath is not. Yeah, that's a really, really important distinction to draw right off the bat, because I would say the same is true of me, even though I was the one who ended up studying Sabbath. You know, Sabbath was my word for 2011. And that is a practice that I know we've talked about sometimes here on the podcast. 
it started amongst bloggers, I think, just writers, because we love words. It's kind of a different sort of New Year's resolution. You know, Laura Tremaine has often picked a phrase. It's been so good. And so Sabbath came to me at the very end of 2010, and it kind of came out of left field. Like, it was interesting to me, but it wasn't something that I had a ton of initial interest in. And it was because what I thought of when I thought of Sabbath was really drudgery (laughs) because it was going to be something that something else I had to do, um, something else that I wasn't doing already that I was probably failing at, something that was going to be rule-based and probably a lot of sitting still, which doesn't work really well for me, and silence. And it just sounded boring. It sounded boring. And I thought, you know, (laughs) like this is not something that I'm interested in. And I have to say this story because it just sets the tone. And I know that you also watched Little House in the Prairie way back. Wasn't it on my introductory episode, which probably everybody has back in their podcast app again, right? Right. (laughs) Meet Kelly. We talked about in there how Little House in the Prairie influenced my view of childbirth and how I never wanted to have kids because I saw people <laughs> give right. birth with Doc Baker. I forgot you know, about that. Yes. Traumatizing. So this is a story actually from the books, but it came to me when I was first thinking of Sabbath and I had to go back and look it up. It's actually a story that Pa tells Laura one Sabbath day when she has been extra Laura-ish. She has been you know naughty and, and not sitting still and quiet as was expected back then. And he told a story about his father and his brothers that they lived, I think, in on the east somewhere, you know, where there was deep snow and it was winter and it was Sabbath. And the boys had built a sled, but they finished it right before sundown on Saturday, which was back then when Sabbath was observed in the early probably Protestant Christian churches. And so they were not allowed to go out for a test run. Their dad was like, nope, you'll have to wait. So the next day they went to church. They came home. It was a day of drudgery and stillness. As kids, they were expected to sit on a bench and read the Bible, not talk, not smile. It's for solemn sobriety. And so their father fell asleep while he was reading his Bible. And without a word, Pa said the three of them looked at each other, silently communicated that they would get up and they all left the house intending to take their sled for one run, just one run, just like they just wanted to know it worked. And so they got the sled and they went to the top of a big hill and they're coming down and right In the middle of the path, as they're coming down, a wild pig steps out of the woods. And so they hit the pig, and the pig is squealing, and they can't, you know, get it off of them. And they go by their house with this squealing pig on their sled. (laughs) And they look in the window, and their father is standing just, like, watching them go by. (laughs) And they're like, I mean, they wouldn't have said this back then, but busted, you know? So they went in the house, and their father's awake again, reading his Bible. He says nothing until, you know, evening. And Pa says that that night, though, after Sabbath ended, he took them to the woodshed, you know, and made them, <laughs> gave them a lesson. And Pa was telling Laura the story to say, I'm not going to tan your hide, uh-huh. even though you were naughty on the Sabbath. And it left such a horror in me of like, what a horrible thing that you would have to sit still as a kid and be serious and quiet and you couldn't enjoy anything. And so that was the picture of the Sabbath that I had. So I didn't have initially at least a ton of interest in studying it. But the more I studied it, and I read so many books that year and talked to so many people, the more I found out that really is not the heart of what real Sabbath is. And the cool thing that I think, especially now four years out, is that Sabbath is not just a Judaic or Christian principle. The ideas behind Sabbath are really rest and delight and celebration, like you said. So those are the key things. And who couldn't benefit from rest 
and delight in their life. Exactly. Yes. So I think Sabbath really started, the idea of Sabbath as that word um, started with the Jewish faith. And you read it in the Old Testament, it came um, as a directive to God's people in the Ten Commandments. It was actually one of the Ten Commandments. It's actually the Ten Commandment that is the most expounded upon. You know, God said, do not murder, do not lie. And then there's like three verses about Sabbath. And he tied it, God tied it back, he, she, into the mandate of the beginning, the creation poem in Genesis, where it talks about God resting on this on the seventh day. The really cool work. Like idea when I looked into kind of the word that's there in the Bible about rest is that it's really an active rest. It's a it's a delight. It's not that God sat back and said, "I'm exhausted. <laughs> that, I'm worn smooth out." I'm just that gonna... took a lot out of me. Yeah. Well, crispy people, who's inventing <laughs> Netflix so that I can have a day off? <laughs> no, it is a satisfied delight in something. So I would liken it more to a woman who's just given birth. Oh, that's a great picture. You've been through a tremendous amount of work, but now you have that baby in your arms and you're looking down at that little one and you're saying, it was worth it. It's so good. Look at them. You're delighting in that child. Yeah. And so it's that kind of rest that that we're being called to enter into. And of course, ever since the beginning, the Jewish people have celebrated Sabbath since the day the Ten Commandments were given. It's very much a tradition in the Jewish faith. If you know an observant Jewish family, they probably still practice Shabbat, which is Sabbath, on Friday night to Saturday. Uh, and they would say that they've practiced it continually, that that is one of the largest marks of the Jewish faith. I would say when I talk about Sabbath that I want to talk about it in more than just in a day of observance. I want to expand it a little bit and talk about it as having a Sabbath heart almost as well, saying that you kind of really, in our world today, can't observe one without the other. You need to have like a Sabbath heart, a heart that will enter into rest and delight as much as you need a time on the calendar. So you need both. You need, you need the heart attitude to go into the rest, and yet you need the time on the calendar to fully embrace what's in your heart. I love that. I love that. I've teamed up with HealthyMoving.com to bring you a free class to get you moving and keep you moving right on into the new year. Text SORTA AWESOME, no spaces, all one word, to 33444 or go to HealthyMoving.com slash SORTA AWESOME for access to this free class. Last week, we heard from Jen's student, Lauren, on how healthy moving made a difference in her life. This week, she's filling you in on what it's like to be a student of Jen's. I cannot stress this enough. Jen is just about the most amazing person you'll ever work with, and she's so unique in this space because she doesn't make you feel shame about your body. She doesn't make you feel badly about the choices maybe you made yesterday or what you did today that wasn't maybe the best thing for you. It's very uh, helpful and encouraging and allows you to be human while also going through the program which makes it something that's so easy to stick to and come back to time and time again. I I really cannot stress enough how much I love this program. And if you're even curious at all, you have to go over to healthymoving.com and check it out. I tell all my friends about it and I think you will too. 
Thanks so much, Lauren. And once again, you can find all the details for signing up for this free class in today's show notes. Thank you again, healthymoving.com. Okay, Kelly, I love that you mentioned sort of having the heart for Sabbath and, and a mindset of Sabbath as being equally important to having space in the calendar for practicing Sabbath. I would love for you to sort of just let's uncover and examine what does that look like? What is at the heart of Sabbath? And, and what does that look like lived out in our in the midst of our chaotic, hectic, overplanned, overscheduled lives? Right, right. And I will say that this practice, putting it into place in my life, has really transformed me. Uh, and it was a very slow thing. It's something that I notice more now when it's not a part of my life. But it really is something that it sounds hokey, but it makes me more mindful and centered and all these good things it produces in me. So I would love to talk about, and there isn't one right way, so I'm not going to have seven easy steps to work Sabbath <laughs> into your life at the end of this. Right. It takes a little bit more personalization than that, but I do want to speak a little bit to how to incorporate it. I would say if I had a subtitle, if you will, for what I took away after my year of studying Sabbath, Sabbath to me is a day of delight. And I really got that phrase from a book I read that's just simply titled Sabbath from a man named Dan Allender. Um, He is a professor in the Pacific Northwest, and he has studied Sabbath and incorporated Sabbath, and he has led seminars on it, and he had so many good things to say, and he really felt like this is the heart of it. And it's so contrary to what we just talked about, which is that it's not the first thing we think of when we think of Sabbath is delight. But he said, I think it's hard for many of us in today's culture to really believe that delight is okay. Oh, gosh. Oh, I feel like you need to say that again. That right? is so true. Yes. Yeah. He asks his seminar class, he says, what would you do with delight? Like, what would you want? What, would, what, what delights you? And the answers he gets back from people are like, well, that's just not realistic. There's no point to talk about something that I want, but I can't have. Or how do you dream delight when you're struggling with money and exhaustion? Mm, yeah. Or... Delight is too subjective. What delights me may not be moral even or the right thing to do <laughs> on like a holy day, right? Um, and then this last one, it just makes me laugh. So I have to say it. This the actual answer to his question is, when I think of delight, I get sad and I want to eat more. <laughs> <laughs> That's honesty, right? Yes. Because I think is. it terrifies us a little bit. And so to really truly look at the Sabbath, you have to look at saying, is this really what God wants for us? Mm, yeah that he delights over us, that he's delighted in us, no matter what, that he is for us, and that it is okay to take a break and to enter into that delight. And I have to read you this section of the book. It's profoundly shaped the way I think about the Sabbath. Dan Allender says, I believe to some extent we are all troubled by delight. We are not averse to pleasure escapes or vacations. To vacate is to empty, that is to get rid of something. When we vacate or take a vacation, We're not merely taking time off from work. We're flushing away the cares of the world as we indulge in the diversions of our empty space. We lie on the beach and dab ourselves with sun lotion, put in our iPod earpieces, and read the latest best-selling adventure novel. But that is not Sabbath. It is vacating our work in order to fill ourselves with passing pleasure. Many modern-day vacations have the allure of common candy, a brightly colored candy pole on a paper stick that promises a feast of fullness and is nearly impossible to eat without sticky compromise. Once we tear into the sugary diversion, it disappears in a flash, and it offers no substance. It is not enough. 
and it doesn't satisfy even for a moment. The end only increases our desire for more. It doesn't bring awe or gratitude. The best answer to this is true Sabbath, not a day off, but a day of celebration and delight. The Sabbath is a day when the kingdom to come has come and is celebrated now rather than anticipated tomorrow. It's a fiction, a theater of divine comedy that practices eternity as a present reality rather than a future state. Sabbath is not about time off or break in routine. It is not a mini vacation to give us respite so we're better prepared to go back to work. The Sabbath is far more than a diversion. It is meant to be an encounter with God's delight. Oh, wow. Mic drop. I right? mean, yes, yes. If you don't hear that and feel yourself stirred in some way and say, yes, even as we, probably people listening to this, are going into the Christmas holiday, man, I have felt that exact thing. The Christmas holiday is the peak of the Western year. It is the time of joy and happiness and togetherness and all the traditions and all the food and an excess of everything. Yes. And at the end, I feel empty. Yes. Sometimes. Because I feel like we didn't really build in awe and gratitude. It was a sugary sort of diversion that didn't really satisfy what we're really looking for. And I think that there's nothing wrong with a vacation. Don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong sometimes with just a quick, this is what, I just need a break. But I think Sabbath speaks to the deeper part of every human being in this planet to feel loved, to feel meaning, to feel the weight of their own significance. So that really just spoke to me so much. So is it okay? I'm just going to go into, this is what two things. It was so funny, Megan, because when I did this year of Sabbath and I wrote about it on my blog, those were such little snapshots of what I learned, you know, how to be still. Yeah. I mean, how even sickness can be a Sabbath, all these different things. And then I wrote a piece for your blog during Mm -hmm. a Lenten series that you did, and it helped me start to synthesize it. So when I started to do that, it was I was just far enough away to be able to see a broader perspective. So when I looked at it from a broader perspective and tried to think about all the things that I learned, I really took two things, in, and this is the two things. One is kind of like what the goal of Sabbath is. What do we want Sabbath to produce in us? Right. And I would say it's three things. Um, it is rest, like actual rest, stop. It's a noun, like that we need to, we need to sleep. We need to take a break from our work. So it really is just a breaking of work sometimes. That's where it starts. Dan Allender, who does those retreats, says that oftentimes when he starts them, the professionals, you know, on a Friday night and he has some time of quiet, a lot of participants will fall asleep. Sure, yes. Then they wake up and they're like horrified and embarrassed. (laughs) No, no, that is the thing. We are weary. We are are, weary, yes. We are. And you know what do we say to each other? How are you? What's the response? I'm tired. I'm busy. There's so much to do. And it's true. I think especially as women, Mm -hmm. we are busy. You know, I have friends who write books, who travel, who speak. I have friends who stay home 24-7 with young kids. I have friends who are balancing aging parents, you know, with kids who suddenly don't care if they finish high school. Yeah. It's a lot. It's just a lot. So Sabbath is really the antidote to busy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it it's is. a time on the calendar when we set aside those concerns and our cares and we just rest. A great quote that I read from the Tao Te Ching said, who is it that can make muddy water clean? But if allowed to become still, it will gradually become clear itself. Oh my goodness. That gave me goosebumps. I know. That image just is so powerful in my mind because... We've all seen that, how 
the mud will settle if it's just given time. And I think that that's something that we don't allow ourselves as Westerners largely. We do not allow ourselves rest. And so that brightness never comes through. Our muddy water penetrates everything. And we do that at our own peril. No matter what your religious belief is, we do that at our own peril. Well, that's what I was going to say. Even apart from looking at this in a spiritual perspective, which I think it's a great practice spiritually, no matter where you are in the spiritual spectrum. But as a culture, even the time that we theoretically have set aside, let's say for the weekend, when we should be resting, when we think we're taking a rest or a break from work, so often we build out our weekends so that they are nonstop action. That's such a common question on a Friday. What are you doing this weekend? What are you mm-hmm. doing this weekend? Yep. Which that's great. I mean, it's wonderful to have plans on the weekend. But even though as a culture, we technically have a space where we're supposed to be resting, it's like we just don't know how to push the pause button and rest and be still enough for the muddy waters in our lives to settle. Right. Right. Exactly. I think that besides rest, Sabbath also restores us. And this is like a similar concept, but it really, it speaks to something just a little bit different to me. You know, the dictionary definition for restore is to bring back, to return to its original condition. And That made me laugh because I thought, my goodness, I hardly remember my original condition. (laughs) You know, my body is melting in my 40s. It's like shifting (laughs) downward or or something. You know, I I crack more now. My lips are dry. You know, I eat differently now. You know, all these things that I am changing this way. But I think in our soul is really what we're talking about. And it goes back to that busyness. You know, the world is broken We've had such a heavy year. The hurts, I mean, even personally, it can be, you know, lies, betrayals, attacks against our souls. We get so wounded and fractured. I don't want to live wounded and fractured. I think that taking some time away restores me. Mm-hmm. It helps me to remember that I can walk upright. I don't have to walk twisted and bent. And I think that's so badly needed. And the other thing that I would say besides rest and restoration is that, and I love this one, Sabbath helps me to remember And let's word geek out here for a second. Remember literally means to put back together. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Remember. Uh And I hadn't thought about that. And I thought, you know, our identity, our remembering, what we think about of who we are, it restores us in some way. It puts us back together. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. And so that act of Sabbath, that act of resting and celebrating and delighting in some way has really helped me to be put back together. It has helped me to remember who I am. And I think this is especially important in families. When you have um, children, I think that you need that time as a family unit Mm -hmm. to come together and to remember who you are and to be able to speak some sacred truths over your children. You know, I see you. I love you. I see this about you. This is who we are as a family. And those aren't all the same things. You know, we all are have our own unique flavors. What do we value? What's important to us? It can get so busy in our lives. We get lost with the deeper things. We get all the little dusty things settled, but these deeper things sometimes don't get to be spoken. And so we need to do that. We need to remember who we really are. Yeah, I really like that. As individuals, as family units, it is so easy to forget who we are because we're stretched so thin so many times. So I really like that. And of course, you know, I will geek out over word meaning anytime with you. So yeah, that's a great perspective to view that remembering in. Oh, I loved the, I hadn't really thought about it. That remember means to bring back together. 
And that's really what we're doing, remembering. Okay, so the last thing that really stood out to me is the most practical thing. And people are always like, so I'm intrigued. I, I like what you're saying. How? <laughs> yes. What does right? it look like? How do we do this in our culture where we don't right. know, we don't have a clear path for what right. practicing this looks like? And unfortunately, like I said, I don't have this very clear path to give people because I think that it really depends on who you are, your makeup, your stage of life. There are so many things that influence how Sabbath will be kneaded into your life, you know, in the K-N-E-A-D, kneaded in, to pound it in. I would say I can give you these general ingredients. Okay, let's hear it. Of what Sabbath is. I think, of course, we need to stop, like hard stop. This is important, even though I don't want to get too legalistic. I don't think that Sabbath, for it to have the most meaning, is in any way law-based or legalistic. But at some point, we just have to do it. We can't just say, well, I have I have all sorts of intentions yeah. <laughs> to stop. It's still not going to produce the same you know, active work inside of us as just like going to the gym. I may have all sorts of intentions. I will dress in my workout clothes in the morning. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it still doesn't count, dang it. That's right. I still have to go to the gym and do the work. So it's the same sort of thing. You still have to stop and just do it. Um, my actual favorite book that I read about Sabbath was written by Mark Buchanan, and he wrote this. Sabbath is a stop work order in the midst of work that's never complete, never polished. Sabbath is not the break we're allotted at the tail end of completing all our tasks and chores, the fulfillment of our obligations. It's the risk we take smack dab in the middle of them without apologizing, without guilt, for no better reason than God told us we could. I thought, that's it. You know, you just say, hey, I'm going to look at my calendar this week. When can I stop? And sometimes you might have to make it more of a thing. Sometimes, obviously, life, you have sick kids. I understand that. I am not here to judge anybody. I understand that it's a fluid sort of thing. But can you look at your calendar and say, this week, this is when I stop and do something else? Um, That's important. You have to find the time. I think that the poets know this. I have to to read you a poem um, that Mary Oliver wrote. It's called Praying, but this is the, the heart of stopping. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. Right? Okay, so that's what we want. We want to stop to do that. And then I think what she just spoke to, Mary Oliver, so eloquently, is that the next thing that you need to really have Sabbath is some time to reflect. Yeah. Right? So we don't just stop in a vacuum um, and, like, silence ourselves in the closet or something, although sometimes we (laughs) want to do that, right? That might be the best place to find a light some days. (laughs) Stare at the wall. We've all been there. (laughs) Ideally, we stop so that we can reflect and so that we can actually take a look at what's going on. And I have to tell you this story because I read this in um, a different Sabbath book by a gentleman named Wayne Mueller. And he told a story about an abbey in Mississippi where a group of nuns kept, among other things, you know, land and cattle. And of course, like many people in the last few years, they started to see that it would be more efficient and sustainable for their property to stop letting the cattle graze indiscriminately and instead pen them in smaller, you know, more confined patches of land where they were, you know, permitted to then graze thoroughly and uh, fertilize, fertilize the ground. This is a real thing. I've I've heard of this being in an agricultural culture that I am in here in Oklahoma. This is a thing that people do. Yeah. Yes, here too. So, you know, that when they're doing that, when the cattle are 
constrained into one area, the rest of the field, then the pasture is left to lie fallow. So then, you know, over time, those the little pen is moved so that the whole field eventually has a chance to be used and then to rest, right? Yeah. So after two years of this kind of grazing, the sisters at the Abbey noticed something really remarkable. He said, new grass was sprouting from the earth. Grass so nutritious, they were able to stop supplementing the cow's diet with corn. Mm -hmm. Even more amazing, dozens of herbs were growing in their fields that they had never planted or even known existed on their property. Oh, wow. And he writes, where had these new herbs and grasses come from? They had appeared from within the earth of this field, seeds that had always been embedded in the soil. Because they had always been trodden underfoot by the relentless activity of the cows, they were never able to grow into their own fullness. When the land and the seeds were given a necessary Sabbath, the earth could then, in its own time, reveal the breathtaking wonders of which it was naturally and easily capable. I'm just going to be honest. That makes me want to bawl my eyes out a little bit. That's right? so beautiful. Yeah. Stop yeah. and pay attention. I mean, this is mindfulness, really. Yes. We're stopping so that we can pay attention right. to what's already going on around us. What are we missing out on? What is the Spirit saying to me? Who are the people in front of me? What do they need? Um, I think one way even, and this is more of a Christian practice, but that you could take this and make it very practical. And you may have even heard of this, Megan, because you are more familiar than I am even with liturgy and some of the ancient practices, but it's called the prayer of examine. Uh -huh. yeah. And it is really basic. It is when you're crawling into bed at night, looking back on your day and asking two questions. Where did I feel most alive? most hopeful today, most in the presence of God? And where did I feel the most dead, mm. the most despairing, the farthest from God? And then filtering those observations and, and learning from it. Yeah. So that is like a Sabbath moment right, right there. That's the heart of Sabbath when you're going to bed. It's listening, it's stopping, it's trying to make something regular. And that really is the next thing. So if I would say, you know, stopping and um, reflecting rhythm, I think, and this one is tricky because I really... I am anti-legalism. Uh, <laughs> you do it as you want to, people. But I would say that for the most benefit, making this a regular part of our lives, part of the ebb and flow of our weeks and years, just like the seasons, is going to have the most benefit. It's going to have the most payoff. You know, traditionally, um, the Jewish people have celebrated Sabbath, as I said before, every sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Christians, I think because they were Jewish originally, you know, came from the Jewish faith, they just took the practice of Sabbath and moved it to Sunday. Right. Because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So they just took it and said, hey, let's do it this day instead. So that's why a lot of Christians today have this idea that Sabbath is Sunday. I don't think it has to be a day. Uh, I think that part of this having a Sabbath heart and not getting hung up on rules is saying, how can I celebrate Sabbath? Uh, maybe I don't have a full day because I have a newborn or my husband's stationed overseas and I'm caring for a sick loved one. So find a way. Is there a morning, an afternoon, an hour? I would say if you can find it, try to make it as regular as you can. Just build it firmly into your schedule. You know, let the seed grow from there. I can say, and I may have said this before, I know I for sure have written about it in my blog, but when I was studying this, Unbeknownst to me, I was doing this in a way that was setting aside a Sabbath day for me was Mondays because I learned that the weekends were crazy with young kids and you know, you're doing all the fun things for family. Monday was my day to reorient, to say, 
I stopped committing to anything on sun, on Mondays. Mm-hmm. I, I actually didn't even, it was hard for me not to meet friends for coffee or, you know, get involved in any outside activities and say today, I'm just, Mondays I stay home. I do the laundry. I make all the beds. I put the little people back where they belong. Yeah. Um, I don't have little people anymore, but you know, all those things, those, that was deeply restorative to me and to know that it was just that way every Monday. I mean, I would even take my phone off the hook just to have just to be with my people that were in the house, just to listen to music. It was like funny that my cleaning day became my most favorite day of the week. I am you the know, same way about Monday. It is, and, and I know this almost sounds like heresy, but it is the most sacred day of the week for me. It really yeah. is. It's set apart from every other day. And I was just thinking about Monday is that remembering day for me where everything yes. comes back together Everything is goes to the places where it belongs. And it's very contemplative for me. I, I love a Monday. And yes. I think that I had never connected the dots, but it very much falls into those parameters for what this idea of Sabbath, of rest and delight is. Right. It's the liturgy of the work of your hands. Yes. And you can give thanks even in doing that work. And yeah. it's really changed the way I look at cleaning my house. I completely agree. I'm going to say this one. And... We'll just say it out there, people, okay? Because I think it's important to say it makes some people uncomfortable. Sensuality. Mm, yeah. I think that really to have a good Sabbath, the senses are involved. Yeah. You know, how you think about a traditional Jewish Sabbath meal, the special food, the light of the candles, the chanting of blessings, the wine. It's our bodies that are engaged as much as our spirits. I think that there's a reason that in the olden days, the Jewish faith, to truly celebrate Sabbath, they said that you need to make love. Aha. <laughs> you need to make love not once. If you're really observant, three times. Okay, so wow, you take that again. Big expectations. I know, Sabbath. I know. I think I just thought that was so cute. And this is my one of my favorite things that made me laugh out loud in one of the books that I read. Upon hearing, you know, that this was the Jewish intense intention, like the highest mark for an observant Jew is to do this three times. No, four times. I'm sorry, four times on the Sabbath. <laughs> Um, he asked an older gentleman who was very devout if he and his wife did, in fact, faithfully keep <laughs> this particular precept. And his, the, the older gentleman said, no, we make love only once. But he added with a twinkle in his eye, we hold a deep intention for the other three. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. You don't, have, you don't have to go that far if you don't want to. But the idea is... To engage your senses, that we are human. Yeah. So what do you like to do? Do you like to cook? What brings you delight? Eating delicious food? Maybe not cooking. Maybe going out for a meal. Maybe getting out of doors. I know for my husband especially, being outside is Sabbath to him. It is deeply restorative to no matter what the season. Maybe take a nap. Sure, How yes. often do we not allow ourselves? We push through that, that afternoon sleepiness, instead of saying, maybe I will acknowledge what my body needs and say, I'm but dust. <laughs> I will take a nap and I will do it without guilt. I realized this last year. I still had, my youngest was at home and he was a napper where my third child was not. So it was wonderful to have my fourth one be a napper. And he is a snuggler. He loves his mommy. Even to this day, he crawls into bed with me every night. People pray for me. <laughs> He's five, and I but can't get so, him out. He's too darling to he's say so no sweet. to. <laughs> he's so sweet. He gets and squishes my cheeks and says, 
Mommy, I just want to snuggle you. <laughs> what? What do you do with that, what right? What do you do? <laughs> so last year, every time he needed a nap, he wanted me to lay down with him. And so we developed a routine that I would nap every day with him. It might even only be 20 minutes and then I would crawl out. But that time, it was hard for me. There were days that I was in the midst of production. I was accomplishing things and I have an addiction to that. So it was hard for me to force myself to stop and read a book and lay there. But when I did it, I was like, wait a minute. I am more than the work I produce. That's right. Yes. I am enjoyed by God. I enjoy God more than what I do. It is about who I am. Mm -hmm. And so taking that little 20-minute nap felt in some really weird way rebellious, you know, to say against the world, I can take a nap Mm -hmm. because my life is about more than just work. It's delight. And I thought that was so important to Sabbath. I really love that. I love that you're talking about engaging the senses, sensuality in the purest sense of the word, Mm -hmm. that if we can tap into, even if if that's just your jumping off point, if you can just start there, if you've never practiced Sabbath before, to be able to say, okay, what does engage my senses? I think that that is a great first step forward because all of us have that thing. Like you said, whether it's cooking, whether it's, um, you know, one of my daughters is like obsessed with candles and candlelight. She wants us to have candlelit dinners. I mean, that is a thing sensually speaking, that appeals to her, start Mm -hmm. there. Even children know what they like (laughs) that appeals to their senses. And some of us need to come back to that. We need to be restored back to our original selves that was that were really in tune with what we preferred, what engaged us, what ignited us in the the realm of our senses. So I think that's a great starting point for people. Right. And, you know, really, you tap into my exact last point, which is to really have full Sabbath, I think we need to revive play. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Like Mm -hmm. taking a step further from just what delights your senses, but what delights your soul? Like what were you made to do? What Mm. do you enjoy? And I think especially as adults. Yes. That's something that we have killed off in us. Um, Mark Buchanan wrote this. I thought this was so good. Adulthood is mostly about getting things done. Mm -hmm. Past a certain age, our existence is consumed by obligation. Deadlines loom, assignments are due, responsibilities are mountainous, chores pile up. There's a list always of things to do. So one of the first things to die in in adults is playfulness. Mm. We are, as a tribe, a grim bunch, (laughs) stirred and mirthless, bent beneath huge invisible weights. Most grown-ups and an increasing number of youth and children... Amen. Mm -hmm. Feel that life is all work and no play. Play feels irresponsible. How can you justify it when there are so many things to do on your to-do list? How can you feel guiltless in it when the chores you neglected last week are now added to the chores you've yet to get to this week and you want to go golfing or I would add take a nap or (laughs) bake a cake or read a book or go see a show? And I would say yes, yes. Take a Sabbath, go play. And if you don't know how to play, this was so huge to me. Here's the rule. Don't do anything you ought to do. Oh, that's so good. Right? You have six days, let's say, to do the oughts. Six days to bow down before the taskmasters of economic and political and social necessity, right? On the Sabbath, the only thing you must do is to not do the things you must. Yeah? 
right? So you get to lay hold of the get to. So that's the question you get to ask yourself. What do I get to do today? And this is really where it really gets personal because it may even change for you from week to week. Um, the gentleman who wrote that passage that I read, Mark Buchanan, he has said he's a pastor. So for him, lots of times his Sabbath, his get to is to mow the lawn. Oh, Which sounds yeah. like, well, that's sneaky, Mark. You're saying you're going to mow the lawn and it's Sabbath, <laughs> you know, skirting the rules, Mark. And he's like, no, for me, it is working with my hands. I work with my mind. I sit in an office to get to go outside, to mow my lawn, to smell the grass, to be outside and stop and do something is Sabbath. Now, he did say there are some weeks that I come to my Sabbath and I think, oh, gosh, darn it. The lawn is so long. It really needs to be mowed. He goes, if that's what I'm saying, then I don't do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's become an ought to do. It's an obligation. It starts to feel like an obligation. What you should do for Sabbath to really do the most for your soul is to do the things not because you have to, but because you get to. That's so good. I love that, Kelly. I'm so glad you ended on that note. Yeah. What so would, good. I mean, what would you do? Like that, it's such a good question. You know, you really have to go back, like you said, to maybe even your childhood. What did you do? when you were a kid that just brought you delight. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really, I've talked about this on the show, how little reading I got to this year. And I I think that there is a huge connection there. I so often push reading aside because I have all these other things that I ought to do. Instead, it does... I don't really, napping is not a thing for me. Like I'm just like a grumpy bear when I wake up from naps. (laughs) (laughs) So I know myself well enough to know that actually taking a nap would probably not be the best, but crawling away with and curling up with a book Mm -hmm. feels incredibly indulgent and is often guilt inducing for me. And so, yeah, I love that you kind of ran down a list of what these things could be. When I was a kid, I always had my nose in a book and it was delightful. Right. And I don't make enough space for that in my life now. So, right. And be unabashed. That's what I would say to yeah. our awesomes who are listening. Find out what delights you and then say, no, your, your Sabbath doesn't have to be this drudgery, dreary, solemn sort of thing that people look at and say, wow, they are really seeking the deeper things in life. I can tell because they look miserable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, the people who are truly enjoying Sabbath should be the most happy, rested, refreshed, restored people out there because they're getting in touch. And I think, and again, this goes back to almost every religion, every culture has some sort of an idea of this of being mindful, of really living in the present. And I think that that's what Sabbath does is it draws us back and says, enjoy your life. Yeah. Um, This is about what it's about. It's about resting and stopping and taking delight in what you've done and playing so that you can be a fully restored person and enjoy. I love that. And, And speaking of being intentional, for those of us who do struggle with the guilt when we're setting aside our ought to's, Maybe our second step, after we identify, first of all, what it is that's going to bring us delight, maybe our second step could be working our schedule with Sabbath as a priority. So if I know that I want to take Sunday afternoons and do nothing but read a book while my kids play, then I build my whole week around that idea that if, if cleaning the house is a priority to me and I feel guilty if I'm reading when my house isn't clean, I'm going to make sure that come Sunday afternoon, the house is clean, or right. I just choose to let it go another week or whatever. So that that is the as another part of the intention of Sabbath is setting ourselves up for success. Yes. So that we can fully engage in it. 
Absolutely. And that's a huge part of the Jewish practice was getting everything ready. Yes. Because it wasn't just like what we're talking about, which is an idea that enriches your life. It was the law. It was like the law, it was yes. required. Mm-hmm. So you had to stop. Yeah at sundown on Friday. And so I read some really beautiful, Abraham Herschel's written a book and his daughter wrote the foreword about what Sabbath looks like in her home and how her parents would rush around like crazy on Friday. Or if you've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, they yes. depict it so well, like everybody's <laughs> fighting and, the, and then boom, you know, that sunsets, the candles are lit, the chants, and it's done. Yes. And so they made it that centerpiece. It was, everything led to that. And it's of course, the reason I think that we don't want to have to get that legalistic is because then, you know, six days of being grumpy with your kids so that you can have that one day. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Right. That, I think we're, that's defeating the point. But there, something about being intentional yeah, to set yourself up for it is right. Well, Kelly, I am so glad. You know, you and I have been talking about doing this show for a long time. Honestly, I'm so glad the timing worked out the way it did because I think this is gonna this is definitely giving me a lot to think about as I think about what my intentions are for 2016, what I want 2016 to look like for me as an individual, as a mom, um, for our family, for this show. I have so much on my mind and to have this concept and the practice of Sabbath fresh in my mind as we move into this sort of new year season. Uh, that's just around the corner for us. It's perfect timing, I think. So thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom, Mm -hmm. all of these insights into Sabbath, into rest and delight and celebration. Perfect timing for us. Truly my pleasure. I have so enjoyed studying it and I so enjoy tearing down the misconceptions of what we sometimes think it is and hopefully opening up a fresh new page to people and inviting them into this beautiful thing. That's right. That's right. So as we close, I want to say that the whole team at Sword of Awesome wants to wish each and every single one of you a happy, happy holiday season, whether you are listening from Afghanistan or Australia, Alberta or Albuquerque, anywhere you are on the planet, whether you're 17 or 71, please know that we adore you so much. And we are so incredibly humbled and grateful that you have made this show part of your 2015. Don't forget, we'll be back on December 28th for the last show of the year before we indulge in some time for Mm -hmm. rest and delight to take us into the new year. Kelly, before we wrap up, where can we find you? I am at Kelly at Lovewell on both Instagram and Twitter. My blog is still up. And in fact, you can find my Sabbath posts over in the sidebar. There's a link to it. It's lovewellblog.com. And on Facebook, I am facebook.com lovewellblog. That's right. Okay. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at sort of awesome Meg. Come talk to us on Facebook. You know, we'll be talking more about this in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash sort of awesome hangout. We're also on Instagram at Sort of Awesome Show. Thanks for joining us today at Sort of Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode are now available at our brand new website, sortaawesomeshow.com. You can also sign up for the show's newsletter, which includes extra tidbits of awesome by going to tinyletter.com slash sortaawesome. If you have feedback on the show, a question for us to answer, maybe you just want to say hi, you can email me anytime at sortaawesomemegan at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, it would be a wonderful gift to us if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to PragerMusic.com. 
and I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.